in my life, I have had a number of women that have fulfilled the role of mom. Of course, a lot of you know Carrie, my biological mother, and for the first eight years of my life, she fulfilled that role as, as mom. And then when she left, I had uh, three other women who, yeah, they were not my mom per se, but they helped fill in those roles, and those were uh, my aunt and my grandma and my eldest sister, who in other ways, they, they, they fulfilled that role in my life for like four, five, six years while my dad raised a single, and, and we're not going to talk much about men today, but I do want to point out the fact that God did it on purpose when he made moms and dads, because as great a dad as my dad was and is, he cannot fulfill the role of a mom. He just can't. He can do his best in certain areas, but he can't be what a mom is because that's just not possible. And so they did. And then, of course, of course, when I was 13-ish years old, dad married Annette, who is over in the children's church right now with her grandson. And she took over that role in a permanent way. We're going to talk a lot about mothers today, but I just want to say off the bat that I am forever indebted to those four I'm leaving one out specifically. Four women in my life that, that raised me in certain ways. Three of them not permanently, but one of them, of course, came in permanently to do it. And I've talked to uh, specifically my mom. I, I spend most of my time talking to her in that role. And, and I was really kind of struggling with what to preach on today because I don't know if this is going to come as a shock to you. I'm not a mom. I've never been a mom. I will never be a mom. God did not give me the anatomical makeup to be a mom. And so I was going, how am I going to preach a Mother's Day sermon? How am I supposed to talk to women about being a mom? This is one thing I can't draw any experience from. So, much like with the pens, if you don't like what I have to say today, go talk to her. If you like it, I came up with it. We're going to be in Psalm 127, and, and, and the title of this, right, is, is a mother's greatest responsibility. And I'm not going to hide this from you. I'm not going to try to be like, oh, are you going to find it in the scripture? No, I'll tell you it right off the bat right now. A mom's greatest responsibility is turning over their son or daughter to God, doing what uh, Rachel did for Samuel and saying, not Rachel, Hannah, thank you. I knew I was wrong, but I was like, well, I can't remember it anyway, so here we go. Hannah did for Samuel, handing him over to God. It's the hardest thing you're going to do, but it's your greatest responsibility as a mom, and there's a lot that goes into that. So let's dive into it. Psalm 127, and this, my Bible tells me, and I'm assuming yours does as well, that this is written by Solomon, this psalm, so there's not many that were written by him, but He's generally considered to be the smartest man that ever lived. So you kind of think that if he says it, maybe it has some truth to it. Let's read it. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who built it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Let's unpack this. Number one, unless the Lord. 
Number one, unless the Lord. Solomon opens up by, by saying, right, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. And then unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen might as well just go to sleep. I'm here to tell you this morning, church, that the same is true for your family. Unless God is the one who is building your family up, you labor in vain, right? We love the psalm where it talks about, you know, if you raise your children up in the way they should go, and, and, and you know, we're like, oh, this is great. But here's the thing that goes along with that. You've got to be trusting in God. You've got to be trusting in God. Yes, you, and, 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 you know, we're focusing on mothers today, so I'm going to say moms more than dads, but yes, you moms have a deft hand in raising your children. The culture of the world today likes to say that men and women are interchangeable. I'm here to tell you, they're not. God made men and women specifically different. Now, I'm not saying women can't climb the corporate ladder and be a CEO. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying a man can't be the, the stay-at-home dad. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that God specifically originally designed men to be breadwinners and women to be the more home person that takes care of a child. It's not a bad thing. In fact, the more that I talk to women who have raised children, the more I am happy I got my end of the stick. When I hear the horror stories of just my own childhood, I'm glad that one day I will come home and be like, honey, how was work today? How was your job today? She's going to be like, you want to hear what went on in this house? If you'll excuse me, I think I'm getting a call. Somebody needs counseling. It's just kind of the way that God designed it. It's not to say that the opposite can't happen, but that's the way that God originally designed it. And because of that, women, you might have an even more important role than men in raising children, in raising them up in the ways they should go. Now, yeah, my dad taught me a lot of stuff. My dad taught me how to be a leader. My dad taught me to be responsible for my own actions. My dad taught me all of those, quote, manly things. But I am forever indebted to my mom at 13 through 18 years old when I would come home from school and we'd be in the kitchen cooking because here's the thing, women, you don't have to be the only ones that cook. Men should be cooking too because here's the thing, food is in the kitchen. So everybody should be there. I love to cook. I told people, I, so, so side note, I have a list of like 20 things long for my wife. Now, hang on, hang on, let me explain that. It is not, here's the things you have to do. It is, here are the things that I am looking for in a wife. Some of them are like, you have to want to be in ministry because that's my life. I can't have a wife that does not want to do full-time ministry. One of them is, so I have a list. It's broken down into three. There's the things that they have to be, the things I would like them to be, and the things that, man, I really want, but if it's not, it's not the end of the world. So like under the wants is I want them to like cats because I really don't want to get rid of my cats. It's not a deal breaker, but it's something I want. But underneath the things that I would like aspect is not she has to be a good cook. Why? Because I love to cook. Cooking is a relaxing thing for me. So I don't mind coming home and making dinner because that's relaxing for me. There doesn't, it, underneath that is not she has to clean. Why? I enjoy cleaning. I put in my headphones and I'm just dancing around my house cleaning everything. My cats love it. And by that, they run in fear. I don't mind doing that. Here's the one household thing that I'm begging my wife to do. Laundry. I despise laundry. I will put it in the washer. I will separate darks and lights. I will put it in the dryer. I hate folding it. There have been times where the laundry has sat in my dryer for four days because I keep telling myself, 
I'll dry that, or I'll, 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 I'll fold that. I'll fold that tonight during the Phillies game, and then 10 o'clock rolls around and the Phillies game is over. I'm like, well, guess it's time for bed. That's the one thing. So I'm not one of those people, right, that women should be barefoot and pregnant. But I do say that God made a specific thing. And you have this. My mom taught me as we sat in the kitchen, she taught me how to treat women. My dad had a hand in that too. But she taught me that. She taught me how to be compassionate towards people that don't deserve compassion as I watched her do it. She taught me how to be kind, how to be loving. And it's not that my dad isn't these things, but it fell on her shoulders to teach me those things. Women, I'm here to tell you it falls on your shoulders to teach your sons and daughters those things. But if you're not doing it in the context of this is what God says, this is what the Bible says, letting him lead then you're doing it in vain anyway. You could be the greatest parent in the world, but if everything doesn't go back to God, well, I'm here to tell you, you're not the greatest parent in the world. My parents made mistakes. Look at my sister. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Listen, I was really nice to her at the beginning of the sermon. I had to say something in it. No, you know, you're not going to be perfect, but unless you do it, with God, unless God is the backbone, you labor in vain. And Solomon goes on to say, right, in number two here, you're working in vain. Solomon goes on to say, it is vain for you to rise up early and to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. It is not wrong for you to be an early bird. It is not wrong, wrong for you to be a night owl. I am personally a night owl, although that has been changing I used to be able to stay up till 2, 3 in the morning and get up at 8 and be fine. Now, if I don't get a full eight hours sleep, I'm like a zombie the whole day. I think it's called getting old. Man, this is the most I've ever gotten you guys laughing. This is great. <laughs> I've been working a year and a half towards this. Here we go. No, but, but you, you, it's okay. Solomon is not saying it is vain to be an early riser, but he is saying that unless you are doing everything to the glory of God, it's in vain. Everything you do. You could be the hardest worker. I did a Facebook post a couple of days ago. Comment your name, right, and I'll say something nice about you. And I've been, so I've been in the mood of saying nice things to people for like three days now. It's been terrible. No, just kidding. But, but one of the things I said to somebody is that you were one of the hardest working people I know. Here's the thing I'm going to tell you. It doesn't matter how hard that person works if they're not doing it for the glory of God. It doesn't matter how early you get up and go to work. It doesn't matter. I could, you know what? It doesn't matter if I'm up here on a Sunday morning preaching the greatest message you ever heard. If I'm doing it for my own glory, it does not matter. Everything's got to be done for the glory of God. Everything comes back to God. And then just in case, you were like, okay, Sam, pastor, you're kind of, I, I see where you're going with this, but you're, you're kind of reaching a little bit in terms of it doesn't really mean it's talking about children. Let's look at verse 3, shall we? Uh, children are a gift. That's your point number three. Children are a gift. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. This is still one thing, one so thing from Solomon, which means it's one idea. Children are a gift, even if they don't seem like it sometimes. Again, not only am I not a mother, I'm not a parent. I have no children of my own. I have not raised any children. I love the fact that I'm an uncle because I just get to spoil my nephew and let him go back to his mom. And what do I care what he does at that point? I'm hoping one day, Lord willing, that I will be blessed with children of my own. And, I, and I'll get to be a father, get to be a dad and fulfill the roles of a dad. But right now I haven't done that. 
And, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sh- jump off of this and say this right now. Some of you in this room have not been able to have children of your own. Be it God just hasn't blessed you with that. I'm here to tell you, you may not have had biological children of your own, but you have children. I mentioned it off the top that there were four women in my life who did not bear me, birth me, that's the word I'm looking for, did not birth me, that were moms in my life. My own mom has raised a number of children. She has taken in kids off the street and raised them. She has spent 15 plus years in children's church, and you better believe she views them as her children. If you're a teacher, they're your children. Now, I'm not saying that the school is responsible for raising children. It's not what I'm saying, but what I am saying that is as a teacher, you do have a hand because they see you. They see how you interact just as they do with a parent. Just because you don't have physical children of your own does not mean you're not a mother this morning or every morning. It means God's chosen to bless you in a different way to be a parent, to be a mom. And so while Solomon says here, yes, the fruit of the womb is a reward, take it as this as well, the fruit of any womb is a reward. Jax is not the fruit, I don't have a womb, he's not the fruit of anything I have done, but I view him as my kid. Yeah, I'm his uncle, and it's different, but I view him as my kid. And I'm excited to watch as he grows and hope that I can be an example to him of what a man is supposed to be, just as his own dad is, just as his grandpa is, and just as every man in here is. And I'm hopeful and prayerful that as he grows, he gets an example from moms in this room, not just his own mom, but every woman here, to how to grow, how to be. Children are a reward. Yes, they end up, uh, uh, can can I tell the story of your shoes? Okay, so I was hoping you were going to say yes because I opened up with it anyway, so here we go. So Jax, of course, is, he's more than three and a half. What, three and three quarters? Because it's October. His birthday's in October. He'll be four in October. And so, you know, he talks a little bit. You've seen him running around and stuff like that. He's great. Except the one morning, I guess, he was going to be nice to mom and let her sleep and not wake her up. He was going to make breakfast for himself. And he knows how to do cereal. So he went downstairs, he gets the milk, he gets the cereal, and he gets her work shoes. And instead of using a bowl, makes the cereal in her work shoes, and then goes and tells her about it. Look, Mom, what I have done for you this morning. It's funny now. I don't think it was funny that morning. It's funny now. (laughs) There you go. At that point... At 5 o'clock in the morning, a week or so ago, or whenever it was, two weeks ago, you're not thinking, man, this child's a reward. Mm, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. But right now, what are we doing? We're laughing about it. And in 10, 15, 20 years, when he's up and growing and out of the house, she's going to laugh back at the day when he was almost four years old and made cereal in her work shoes. Because children are a reward. And not just that. It's not just that. She, they haven't gotten the chance to experience this aspect of it yet. I know a lot of you have. Children are a reward because you get to watch and see what they do as they grow up. The relationship I have with my dad is different than my mom, obviously. My mom is much more of the encourager. 
yeah, Sam, you're doing great. Keep going, keep going, keep going. But I know because both of them have talked to me about how proud they are that I ended up where I am. Yeah, I've made mistakes along the way, but that I ended up who I am and where I am. And that's something that you get to look forward to as a parent, not just of a biological kid, but of a grandchild, of a student, of somebody like Jax. Their reward. Let's tie this all back up together. Right, we've talked about that their reward and that you labor in vain. So let's tie this back in to a mom's greatest responsibility that we learned just in that very first verse. You gotta give it over to God. It's the hardest thing you're gonna do. And it's not just when they're three, it's not when they're ten, it's not when they're eighteen. You've got to give them over to God every single day. Every single moment of every single day. I know because I've talked to my parents about this, I'm blessed that I have parents that are open in talking with me about different aspects of life. And one of the things they've talked to me about is that it's one of the hardest things to watch your kid go off and be themselves. You've spent 18 years crying over them, praying over them, laughing over them, pulling your hair out over them. You have more than one gray because of your children. And then you're just supposed to let them go and be who God made them to be. Yeah, you are. And see, here's the thing. Mothers, women, moms, it falls more so on you than it does on the dad a lot of the time to do that. We mentioned it right at the top that women spend more time, quote, raising the kid in the terms of how they interact with them at home and stuff like that. It was not my dad that I saw when I got off the bus. It was my mom. Not because my dad wasn't there, but because he was at work. It was not always my dad who I sat in the kitchen with talking about girls because there was a new one every week. It was my mom. It was not, even though my dad, even though I'm just like him, it was not my dad who I first told I want to go into ministry. It was my mom. And it's not usually my dad that I go to with my problems first. It's my mom. And then we go to my dad together. And as a mom, she has had to, on more than one occasion, Annette has, turn me over and say, okay, you got to go. At 18, well, yeah, technically still 18 years old, at Valley Forge Christian College in a dorm room, turn me over and let me be my own person. At ninth grade, when I desperately didn't want to go to youth group, when I desperately didn't want to become a worship leader and do this stuff because my biological mother was that and I didn't want to do it. My mom was the one that had to turn me over to God and say, you got to do it. Go. We'll support you, but it's you. At 23 years old when I said, you know, I think I want to become a pastor at First Baptist Church. Now, my mom got the opportunity that she lives two miles away, so that's a whole lot easier than me going, I'm going to Idaho. It's a little bit easier than that, but still, she was the one that had to turn me over. And not that my dad didn't have to do it on those occasions, but it's different. You see, honestly, and we'll talk about dads in June more, but honestly, it would have been way harder for me to become the man I am today to be who stands in front of you, not just as your pastor, but as your friend, as your, as your brother in Christ, if my mom hadn't been the one to say, you've got to go. We'll support you, but you've got to go. Pass or fail, you've got to go. Because God is saying, he has to go. 
And moms, it falls on your shoulders. And it's such an incredible thing because here's the thing, right? I know that my mom gets to watch me succeed with you guys because she's told me about it. How much of a joy it is that she gets to watch that happen. How much of a joy it is she gets to watch her other three kids succeed in what they do because she turned them over and said, God, they're yours. Do with them what you will. If you take them to Africa, okay. If you take them to Idaho, okay. God, if it is your will that they become a missionary to a country and they die for your sake, okay. We talked about moms a lot. Let me, let me bring up Mary. Yeah, I almost said that with a southern accent. Mary, as she stood there and watched her son die on a cross. Happy Mother's Day, Mary. But she turned her son over to God and said, do with him what you will because he's yours anyway. Moms, it's the single hardest thing you can do. But it's also your greatest responsibility and your greatest joy to watch as your children grow. And you get to know, I had a hand in that. I helped them. I, I helped raise them. I made sure he didn't make a fool of himself in front of that girl in eighth grade because he was an idiot. That's what my mom has told me on more than one occasion. Thanks, mom. I'm saying all this, and yeah, it comes from a male perspective. I can't speak into how much a mom is to their daughter. I don't have that relationship. I know certain things, little things from just watching, but I can't speak to that. But I can say, as a son and as a man, I am who I am today because of my mom, because of what she did and what she continues to do. I am who I am today because of a lot of you sitting in this room today who knew me as a boy. Thank you for not giving up on me because I was an idiot. Most boys are when they're in eighth grade. I am who I am today because of teachers who didn't give up on me even though I was making a fool of myself in their class. I am who I am today because of women at a different church. I am who I am today because of the women in my life that said, yes, maybe he's not my biological son, but he's mine. And I'm going to make sure that he's raised in the way he's supposed to go. And I'm here to tell you right now, and I'll end with this. I'm 24 years old. Some of you I met a year and a half ago. Thank you. Because you've already spoken into my life in ways that the others couldn't because you have a different life experience or you have a different viewpoint of me. And I'm looking forward to in another year's time when I preach another message on Mother's Day, being able to say, hey, look at what Miss Ida taught me. Or hey, you know, look at who this taught me. Look at this, look at what Linda taught me. Put yourself in those shoes because you're doing it for me. Just because I didn't name you, it doesn't mean it's not happening because it is. I get to watch you guys and learn how to be from you guys. So thank you. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, I know it's raining a little bit, but isn't that kind of fitting? Moms never get the attention that they deserve. And even on the day when it's supposed to celebrate them, there it is. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. For those of you that were there to watch me grow and to let me go. And thank you from the bottom of my heart from those of you that have taken me in over the past year and a half. It's been a fun ride. I'm looking forward to the next year. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for Mother's Day. We thank you for moms. Be they biological, be they not biological, be they our, our, our teachers, Sunday school teachers, uh, uh, school teachers, whatever they be, God, we thank you for them. To be honest, where would we be without them? I wouldn't be the man I am today. As great a father as I have, I wouldn't be who I am today without mom. 
thank you and help us to never take them for granted. Yeah, it's going to happen sometimes. Never realized how hard it was to do my laundry until I was the one doing it. I never realized how hard it was to make sure that I was fed until I was the one doing it. I never realized how hard it was to make sure I was getting through the day until I was the one doing it. So thank you for my mom. Thank you for the moms that are here. We praise you. We love you. God, give them strength when their kid comes in at 5 in the morning and says they made cereal in your shoes. Give them strength to be able to, to, to pass on what they know and then to give them over to God. Give them peace. Give them hope. We need them. And God, I pray that you would help this world to realize how desperately we need moms. We love you. We praise you. It's in the name of your son we pray. Amen.